All right, everyone be on their best behavior. This is episode 85 of Future Chat. I'm joined today by Nick and Mike. We're going to talk about some science and tech stuff. We are about T minus two hours from SpaceX taking off again, so we won't be able to report on that. But uh, stay tuned because they're they're going to try to do the the next water landing. I really wanted to mention that. I feel like we should just talk about whatever SpaceX is doing next, like the following in the week to come. This week on SpaceX Fan Club. Yeah, exactly. We uh, we have a couple pieces to follow up here from Mike. Why don't you uh, tell us what's been going on? Yeah, these are actually fairly related and they're they're not groundbreaking, but it's kind of just further developments from the TV streaming internet side of things. Uh, I guess shortly after... Netflix was like, oh yeah, we're cool with people sharing accounts. They're like, oh, PS, people who use proxies are going to start getting shafted. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had actually discussed proxies uh, in past episodes and saying how it's in, it's actually Netflix's best interest to keep allowing them because it gives them business. Like People will use Netflix because they're able to use a proxy with it. Yeah. Um, and for those not familiar with proxies, they basically kind of mask where your your uh your internet feed is coming from or your address i guess yeah uh the one that we use i mean don't use <laughs> is a uh a dns uh masker i guess you could call it mm-hmm. um and they actually kind of called out this one service it's called unblock.us oh really us, i guess mm. um like the quote from Netflix was some members use proxies or unblockers to access titles available outside their cut their territory. So I, I don't know if that was kind of a wink at subtle thing, yeah. At them because unblock uh US or unblock us, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, is actually one of the bigger ones out there and they've been fairly uh functional from people that use it have said. Okay. Um and yeah, so I guess Netflix is gonna start detecting if they're going to be if they're using a proxy i don't know how they intend on doing that um but they'll probably use some sort of analytical statistics to see what dns addresses are being used and if they come from a common source kind of thing so what i heard in the last couple days and this is anecdotal so maybe it's not what they're going to do but a lot simpler way to do things would just be to use a billing address to lock you to one country and so you sign up with a Canadian credit card with a Canadian billing address, you're going to be in Canada. So if you have an American credit card and an American billing address, then you could use the American one, but then you wouldn't be able to switch back to Canada. I feel right. like that's a lot simpler, and that's like that's what iTunes does. Right. Uh, Suddenly there's Google a booming business well. for you know someone in the States to register a bunch of billing addresses for people. Well, they already have that, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, for for stuff nose. like iTunes. Yeah, iTunes yeah. and I think Hulu might have us. No, Hulu doesn't because we were able to sign up for Hulu. I'm yeah. not sure, but th- there's other services that use that same sort of uh, validation. So, yeah, I guess Netflix says in the near future they'll start doing that. We haven't been affected yet. So I'm I'm hoping that this is just optics and them yeah, trying to kind of say, oh, yeah, we'll totally start cracking down. We're, this is bad, <laughs> bad Netflix users, and then they won't do anything. So, uh, well, I mean, really, is it piracy? No, it's just like, well, that's the thing. You're paying for the content. Yeah. It's, it's more licensing that the shows that you're streaming aren't licensed to be streamed in that country. Right, but they're still, they're licensed, like wherever you are, who cares about regional restrictions, you're you are paying for a, a license to right. watch content and you're watching content like the 
the person that made it is getting the analytics either way. It's not like that stream doesn't count. It's more like if they have a deal with Disney, right? So Netflix is, has license to stream Star Wars in mm-hmm. you know however many months. They have license to stream that in specific countries. Right. So if if someone in Japan wants to watch Star Wars, they would have to use a U.S. Uh, yeah. content. But if they are not licensed to show Star Wars in Japan, then technically that's violating that right that lack so, of license. So so that's where that comes. It's not your license with Netflix. But Netflix what's the doesn't difference? care. No, Netflix doesn't care. That's the whole point. No, but who cares? Why would any? I, that's the thing well, I don't get. I don't know, like, why would anyone? No, care? I agree. I agree. Yeah. It shouldn't matter. Yeah. It's the same thing with music. It's like just. Whatever. A, but. a person's a person. It's like racism, but on the internet. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, we're, yeah, I don't know. It's it's dumb. But anyway, Netflix has this as kind of their latest statement on yeah. this issue. So we'll see if it goes anywhere and if people start reporting that, they, uh, that they're not able to access their, their content. Or I think what Netflix said is they'll just be restricted to the content that of the country they're in or registered for. Yeah. So it's not even that you'll get blocked from Netflix. It's that you try to switch your region and it just stays with Canada. So yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. And then the other one is kind of similar type story where Crave TV, a similar streaming services, show me and Netflix for that matter. Uh, they're now available for all Canadians to pay for and access uh, for a ho- slightly higher rate than what the Bell TV subscribers are able to get it for. Um, so Bell users get it for six bucks a month. Anyone else gets it for eight. Right. And mm-hmm. as was the case with show me, this is because the CRTC said you have to let everyone watch it. Yeah. This is, this isn't crave being nice. This is the law ha- saying that they have to do that. So mm-hmm. it's good that it's happening, but don't give crave any credit because if <laughs> yeah. it was up to them, they wouldn't be doing that. Which is weird, um, but again, yeah, it's I don't it's know. odd that the law needs to step yeah. in and yeah, say, "Hey, right? you need to let these people give you their money," and they're like, "Oh <laughs> man!" But they want more money for the whole cable subscription. Yeah, that's I guess the goal. Well, the yeah. idea is the idea is that yeah, the idea is that someone would sign up with Bell because they're able to get Crave, which is right. stupid. That's yeah, that's just dumb reason to go it's with a nonsense, specific company. Yeah. Yes. Um. But and it, it, we kind of thought the same thing with Show Me because, like, we're paying for show, or we're using the free trial of Show Me right now, and we're like, well, is it worth going with Shaw, the internet, and subscribing just for cable and getting Show Me on top of it as like an included yeah service? But we haven't because that's that doesn't make sense because you can pay for it for eight bucks a month, right? Um, yeah, that's all the follow up that I have. For, for this week. Did, did you have anything else? Robert yeah, Nick, Nick, you had a piece that you wanted to talk about? Um, Actually, hold on. Like, Can we just take a moment and talk about how we are and what we've been doing? Because we usually do that, and I kind of like it. Yeah, of course. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing insanely well. Insanely well? You have no idea. Would you I'm describe really well. it as insanity in the membranity? <laughs> I would not. <laughs> Okay. That's weird. Sim- simply insane in the membrane? Yeah. Yeah, that that's fair. Nice. It rhymes with two words that are actually words, so. Oh, good. Good. I like that. <laughs> Insanity's a word. Yeah. I Well, I mean, both. Yeah, both are words. Membranity is not a word. Alas. Unfortunately. I should really rate the people at Oxford about that. Yes. <laughs> or at Insane Clown Posse. 
Either way, really. Rob, do you do you wish to elaborate on your insanity? I feel like I I always get the impression that you guys are leading me down some kind of garden path that I'm, but I'm, and I can think of a couple that you might be, but I can't think of anything like what you're specifically pointing at. I d- I didn't have anything in mind, but you obviously do if you're saying you're insanely well. No, I just I like have a good feeling about stuff. I have uh, oh, okay. an interview tomorrow, meeting with some people on Wednesday for a oh, possible other job. That's nice. news. Oh, I'm not working, but. I might be very soon. You're not working for money. You're working. Right. I'm doing a lot of stuff. (laughs) I'm just not, I don't have a day job. So I guess now that you, you were talking about it, does Unwind Media have any, any news they wanted to plug? Is that, that that might've happened this week? Is that what this is? It it came to mind just now (laughs) that it might be worth mentioning. I had no idea what Mike was up to. Interesting. Um, yeah, there was a big, uh, Big piece of news out of Unwind Media this week. Uh, one of our shows, actually one of the last shows to get added around this time last year, uh, was Feedback. And we are, the second episode of season two was just released. And we also put together finally season one's music and made it available. We, we talked about uh, the distribution of this is interesting because it's cover music. And so it requires kind of, it, it's not just like, make this available anywhere and it's fine there's a bit of kind of tricky licensing stuff so what we decided to do is put it up on uh BitTorrent's distribution system they have it it uses peer-to-peer networking like BitTorrent does but it's for more it's not just for like here's a tv show that came out so (laughs) you can so basically what you can do is you can set a minimum price for things and it allows you to bundle files together to distribute them. And so people like Tom York from Radiohead distributed his album that way, his last album. There have been a couple of other big name artists that I don't, I'm not necessarily familiar with that have done it that way. And there's just a ton of music and, and other content and stuff out there. So we decided to do that. And you can also make a donation to Unwind Media through PayPal to get access to the album. And uh, it's been, yeah, it's been going pretty well. And it's it's taken a couple of years to first of all get enough time like we we do the podcast once a month it takes a while to get enough time to actually get together and make enough music to make that an album worthwhile and then my editing has also required a lot of improvement in order to get to that point where i'm comfortable uh putting music together we tend we do things in one take and so if there's any mistakes um they come through and so we've i mean Damien and Brian, as musicians, have been working on trying to get play through every song perfectly to do that. But we've also been, I've also been working with them to try to get the, I guess, sound production as good as possible. I think we're we're pretty much there now. Rob, are you familiar with Glenn Gould? I am familiar with him, not super familiar, but yes. Yeah, no, he was his. He was a mu- musician. There's a studio named after him in Toronto, which is fitting because his prediction, his big prediction was that uh, eventually no one would pay for live music because why would you ever want to experience music that isn't perfect? Why wouldn't you want to go to a studio where you can get it absolutely perfect because you can do it again and again and again and again until you have it just exactly as it's supposed to be. Right. So when you say like, you know, do it in one take and have everything perfect. I don't No, I don't mean I mean have it one way all the way through when in one take. They do the song several times, but aiming for perfection in the best take, but not we're not talking about doing four bars at a time, 
getting those four bars perfect and then splicing it all together. We're talking about from the from the start of the recording to the end of the recording, it's all one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Semantics again. Yeah. Rob, I should but. mention, because you talked about editing and, and having to work on that, last night uh, during our YYC YouTubers meetup, uh, obviously the topic of what we did on the internet came up, mm-hmm. and Nick and I both agreed that within the context of our show, Nick and I have the easy job. We just show up and talk <laughs> for an hour and a half, and we, we let you handle the hard stuff of the editing and production. So I generally, I want to say thank you for that, because... I'd, I'd never be able to do it myself. Yeah. Well, I, I really enjoy it. So it's not, it's not really work for me. It, it's tough sometimes because sometimes you get like this past week when I was working on editing video and audio and all this stuff for feedback, getting it ready. Uh, it means that there's other stuff that I want to be working on, but I, I do enjoy editing. Like I really like trying to get sound to sound exactly like it does when, when I hear it live and, uh, it's a nice challenge. I'll put down a little teaser for something we may or may not do. Um, I think it's at this point it's closer to may not, but we'll get there. <laughs> no, no, this is like, I don't know if I've talked to you about this yet. Uh Oh, is this something else? Okay. The Steve Dangle podcast. Oh yeah. Had a little hilarious, like movie trailer idea for one time when Dave Nonis was just an idiot and it was caught on camera. It was when he said he wasn't worried about like the fourth, fifth or sixth years of the David Clarkson deal. (laughs) He was getting all cocky and they said, you know, that would make for a great movie trailer. I think (laughs) the David Clarkson story. (laughs) Yeah. But I was talking to Rob about potentially doing uh, like having us lay down the audio and him do the editing for actually make that trailer. I think it would be great. And I was just thinking like we should get, we should see if we could get Damien and BL to do the music, but you know, actually have, how you like me now? Swing in my dick. How you like me now? Cause honestly, I'll certainly like, ask having listened to Damien, his, I can just hear it. His voice would be perfect for it. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> yeah but yeah the anyway. uh i mean nick you had some good news this week and also some bad news do you want to talk about it um i as far as i know the canadian nuclear safety commission and the canadian canadian general standards board is okay with me shooting gamma rays at things Yay. so long as it's under the direct and constant supervision of a certified exposure device operator so, I mean, now that that hurdle is crossed, there are a bunch more jobs that I can actually feasibly apply for. Mm-hmm. Like instead of just sending them a message and saying, hey, you could train me one day and maybe I'd you know, be able to pass this test. Wouldn't that be great? But now I can say, hey, I've passed this test. All I need is 320 on-the-job training hours, and you can charge you can charge other companies through the nose to send me out there. <laughs> right. Nice. What happened? Because uh, this took months. Yeah, I was checking my Facebook messages, and like I just I don't pay that close attention to the pending messages, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I had a pending message from December 7th from a lady. And it started out like, hey Nick, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, do I 
it was I – I felt it was a really generic name. So I was like, oh, is this someone I remember from the hair campaign? I don't think so. Anyway, I'll check it, see what's up. My stuff had gone to someone else, but it was in, in an envelope, like, addressed to that other person. Right. So I'm also a little upset with Enarchan because that is just loaded with my personal information. No yeah. kidding. And had they not been nice people, like, I don't know. I assumed that you could get up to all sorts of nefarious things if you just had someone else's license and yeah. were a bad person or had, you know, nefarious intentions. Yeah, nefarious intentions, bad things you wanted to get up to, to which you wanted to get up. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's exciting. Um, yeah. In other exciting news, I think my pepper plant has actually spreaded a pepper. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So, like, this has just been a crazy week for me. <laughs> <laughs> Getting on with life. Yeah. I, it turns out, needed uh, needed to have a fan on in here. Just oh, oscillating. Okay. Yeah. It won't pollinate itself. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I guess it hasn't hit puberty yet. It's funny when you consider that it is sort of a form of sexual reproduction and so it's like how do i get this pepper to have sex with itself <laughs> like, I don't, is I it be... really s- sort of i think it just is isn't it um that's anthropomorphizing it a bit i think well like is it asexual because there's parts of the flower are male and parts are female yeah. so yeah i don't know like it's there it's aren't any other pepper plants that's... around so i don't know that it's entirely sexual but right I think we need a poll saying, <laughs> do plants have sex? I yes. would honestly be okay with that poll. We or should no. put that out on Twitter. I'll I think Unwind right Media now. needs to release a poll or Future Chat maybe. Future Chat will release a poll. Future Chat releases a poll on do plants have sex. So yeah, it's like how to, how to set the ambiance for this ghost pepper to have sex with itself. <laughs> and it turns out it needed a fan on. <laughs> too hot in there i guess it Makes couldn't sense. it just couldn't get in the mood with all that still air around hmm. to just get things moving a little bit but yeah so uh mike before we get to the main part of the show you had one more thing you wanted to follow up on from last week just a sm- tiny piece of information we're talking Did about I? sim cards last week oh yeah i don't know i got reminded of this this morning when i looked at our notes and i did a quick google search and we were trying to figure out if SIM cards could tell which device you're using and if and if they could, did they send that information to your carrier? And on the information I could find, and there isn't a ton of official information on what SIM cards really do. Like it's a lot of what seem to be people's personal websites or editable sources. So I was kind of skeptical of it, but there were enough consistent sources out there that kind of indicated that the only real identifying number was more referring to uh, locations such as country and phone number. So user identification, not device identification. So I think it's it's safe to say that your SIM card doesn't right. send your device info to your carrier. And I know when, uh, like we were talking, because the reason I thought I could is because I saw the Note 4 show up on my FIDO account. But then I remembered that I had bought 
another note for through Fido on my account. So that's probably why that showed up there. Um. And then in the past, uh, when I had, when I had upgraded to an Android phone, it just said generic, generic smartphone or generic phone. I think I don't think it had a specific phone attached to it. So yeah, I, I think that the SIM card can't tell what device you're using, or at least it doesn't send that information to your yeah. carrier. The carrier maybe could tell, but the SIM card itself doesn't identify the, the device. But I think the point is, if you don't tell your carrier what phone you're using, they wouldn't know. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling, maybe not. Maybe there's some kind of encryption on, on data that goes to, like, through the carrier. Right. But, like, if I download an iPhone app, or if I access the Fido My Account app through an through iOS, I feel like they, if they wanted to, they could identify it, but it wouldn't be through the SIM card. Yeah, that'd be exactly. Yeah, that'd be through an app. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, because your yeah your phone. Well, it's the same way a browser tells what phone you're using, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you guys want to actually start the main topics of the show? I I think so. It's only been the better part of an hour. Yeah. Well, no. Nah. Something like that. It's half an hour. Anyways, uh, I wanted to start. This is a this is a story about the last week week and a half of my life and uh it led hold to up, a discussion hold up, hold up hold up i don't think yep. we've fully gotten through follow-up yet Uh-oh. unless you actually want to talk about that first what is in follow-up he, he added the new particle stuff there did he yeah yeah okay i don't see it did he uh did he add it in the wrong place yeah he did all right that he didn't it. put it in stories he put it yeah. in topic summary <laughs> anyway yeah, i anymore. assumed we were all looking at topic summary <laughs> i'll fix kind it kind of jerk am i what's the follow-up nick uh do you remember last week i asked if you'd heard about physicists in europe finding tantalizing hints of a mysterious new particle yeah i do remember that oh well, it turns out that happened. That's good. Yeah. Like, we could be exiting the standard model as we know it. I, I see this URL is dated December 16th. Yeah, it was, it was not brand new at the time when we were discussing it. Is that, oh, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mean, I meant we, like, we mentioned it last week. Not that it happened last week. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I so, think I, I actually read something about this. Yeah. Okay. It's coming back to me now. Like the the exciting thing is is that they've basically noticed a bump in the signal, but it's consistent across different laboratories. And I think CMS and Atlas agree on it. Right. Yeah, that's so a big thing. So it's like what could this be? Like, it could be a new particle. It could also just be, I don't know, like an interaction or something like that that we didn't know about before. Yep. I don't know. Like, honestly, it just seems it's so tantalizing. So interesting. So what what is can you go into any detail about what the new thing is? Because we we mentioned it last week and I did a bit of research. But did you look into it at all or do you want to talk in, in any more detail about what what the particle actually looks like? Well, that's the thing. Like they they currently have no idea one it's not confirmed right and i don't actually know what or where the energy is it seems Wait. like if if they're going to discover a new particle it would be in higher energies and so maybe it's the like the higgs last time where they have to now step up the energy they have to wait until they get to higher energy to actually confirm the particle 
But wait, so we have, I think they said it's at 750 giga electron volts. Okay. They say billion electron volts, which I think is giga. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, just crazy. Hmm. It's worth noting that they say in this article that there's a one in 93 chance it's a fluke. Right. Yeah. So they're, they're basically like, you know, they're still running until you can get to some sort of six sigma. Yeah. Or just five. watch it flatten out. Yeah. I thought it was six sigma that they go to. This article says five. It's, I, but, I think it's more higher than five. Yeah. So six. six would yeah. qualify it. Yeah. But yeah, it has to be higher than five is what I remember. Oh, okay. I guess six being the gold standard of these things. Yeah. This is five is the gold standard. Yeah. Like, even if it, honestly, like, even if it's one in a hundred, I'm still excited because there's this oh, yeah, for new sure. hump somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Also, place to look, right? Because it could be, I mean, it's, it's funny because people are like, it could explain dark matter or dark energy. And then it's like, yeah, that's what you say every time you open up a new big particle accelerator. Yeah. Like we could finally understand it or not. You know, we just need more funding or not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like we found, we have definitively proven that we don't know given this much energy. Yeah. We need a 60 kilometer ring next time. Ooh, the whole earth. (laughs) Just like go up to the moon and commandeer it. For particle acceleration purposes. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. At some point, we'll get there. To, like, converting the moon to a particle accelerator? I mean, to getting to another body to the point where we've colonized it. and Because it, the moon has very different geography. Like, it doesn't have oceans to contend with. So we wouldn't need... You could have a ring that's underground that's, that is the size of the moon. You, if, you were, if you were trying to build a particle accelerator the size of the Earth... On the Earth, it would have to go underwater for a lot of the way. Rob, do you know how deep you'd have to go? That's what I mean. I mean, it's very... Um, it's you'd not be in, work. like, the molten core. Yeah, ex- well, not the molten core, but yeah. Yeah. Very... It'd be molten. You, okay, you wouldn't have to go... There, there'd be challenges, obviously, but, like, the undersea cables across the, the oceans, they're just laying there. You wouldn't necessarily... You want to go deep... To get to avoid, like, it's usually things like uh, radiation or neutrinos from space. Space. I I feel like water does a similar thing, especially if you go deeper. Like, if you go a few kilometers underwater, you're probably shielded. In a similar way, you would be with rock. Or, like, anything between you and a radiation source. Exactly, yeah, that's what I mean. But then, yeah, because that's what they use in nuclear power plants is, is just, like, a pool of water. Well, that's heavy water, one, and that's yeah. more as a, my understanding is that's more of a moderator. Neutron sink? What? Like, do you mean the cooling pools or? The cooling pools, yeah. Oh, okay. Like, uh, I'm I'm remembering, and I think it was XKCD did it, talking about um, those kind of pools and how, or maybe it was just some other story, talking about how. If you like, you can dive in the water. Maybe it was a what if you can yeah, dive in the if. water yeah. uh, in a nuclear generator. But if you get like a few feet away or if you drop like a wrench or something down there, then it's going to be completely bathed in radiation. And you're just going to die immediately. But like a few feet away in water, in the same water, you're fine. Yeah. 
that that's what I meant when I said like you could go around the earth, you just have to go through the oceans. You wouldn't have to go under the oceans necessarily. Would you have to go under the sea? Yes. Under the sea? <laughs> where it is wetter and the shielding's better? Exactly. Under the sea? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> under the sea is a good a good term. Down where the mermaids live. I wish so, I knew more words to that song right now. <laughs> <laughs> are, are we ready to move on now? I is there any so. more follow-up? I want to hear places. about your cable TV hijinks, Rob. Yeah. So I spent the last week, probably a little bit more than a week, trying to pick new cable packages. My cable ex- or is expiring at the beginning-ish of next month. And it turns out that at least Bell is willing to, according to their standards, bend over backwards to get people to sign up for their internet cable uh, home phone stuff. We were with Rogers for two years and we were paying about $130 a month by the end, which was technically because this is a new home we're in, it was 50% off service, which is like the whole retail markup thing where they set the price of something at $200 and then sell it to you for $40 and go, it's like 60% off, 80% off, whatever it is. Uh, it's that same thing where nobody's ever going to actually pay $270 for or $260 for the service that we had. Right. But uh, it was going to be jumping up to somewhere around 165 170 for the same service. And if we wanted, we could get probably down to 130 but we'd lose a lot of stuff. And so we went and talked to Bell as as one does, talking to multiple people, trying to get a good deal. And I don't know if it was a combination of laziness or the fact that I was working on something else as I was talking to Bell in their live chat thing. But every time I waited like 30 seconds or a minute before answering them, they would just throw something in, something else in to the deal to make it better. And so oh, eventually really? I just kept, I just kept waiting. Like I would wait and to, to actually end up signing this thing or to get him to to provide me a quote for this so I didn't have to sign up because al- they always want you oh you're on the phone now you're on the chat line now this offer expires when we get off the, the line and so I didn't want to get off the line but I, it was the middle of the day Julia was at work and I wanted to consult with her and figure out if it was what we wanted and so I said I was on the chat line and I said oh I'm trying to contact my wife but she's not answering she's a teacher she's not going to she might not answer for a while. And the guy was just like, I'll wait. <laughs> and so I I told him, I was like, I don't know when she's going to answer. It could be a, a long time. And then after, after about five or 10 minutes, she did answer, but just like she said, okay to something to like what I'd written. And so I typed a bunch more stuff and she was gone, which is that's fine. Like that's, that's the nature of working. Like you, right. sometimes you get a second, but you don't get more than that. And so I just kept, I basically for 20 minutes or something, I I was like, she might be back, but I don't know when. And then I went to go, I went and took a shower, came back (laughs) and he was, I think it was still a couple more minutes. It was like almost 40 minutes at this time. He was like, all right, well, is she back? Like, is this over? What are, what do you want to do? Like I had outweighed him. And so he threw a couple more things in and then decided to give me a quote because i was like it could be like 3 30 until she answers and this is like this is like 12 30 or something <laughs> and so in the end we what was a one-year deal where after the first year the price jumps up by 40 dollars or something uh we now are locked in for three years with no 
there's no contract, but our price is locked in. And they gave us a really good deal relatively again on pretty much everything, like much better compared to Rogers. So we talked to Rogers afterwards, after we'd already kind of come up with this whole quote, Rogers said, we cannot, we can't match it. Uh, you should, you should do that. And I said to them, I literally said, because this is like, I was reverse bargaining. I was trying to reverse psychology them. I was like, yeah, I, I don't really want to go through the hassle of switching providers. Like I don't have to have a tech come out. I don't have to take my like cable box back to you guys can like help me out here. And he was just like, no, I can't. Their, uh, their deal is too good. And so for the original deal was for a hundred dollars and to get un- basically unlimited, really good internet, basic cable and basic home phone stuff. And now we're, we had to get one cable level up. So now it's 115 plus tax a month, which compared to everything we've looked at is really good. Mike, you were saying that before we started, you were saying, oh, you know, that's actually not great because cable is pretty terrible. But and I, I agree, I don't actually like having live sports is nice. But if I didn't have it, I just wouldn't watch it. Right. Um, but it, I'm not the one that wants cable. Julia wants cable and that's fine. She right. has a lot of TV shows she watches live. So. Yeah. So she actually out. schedules time to sit down and watch them as they're on? No, she she usually uses the PVR, but if she does, if she's like, if it's a primetime show, she'll watch it right. live, but. Right. And I guess, because I was going to suggest, you know, they have the hosted on online shows, like even cable yeah. shows will have on there, but yeah. I know a lot of the time they'll, they'll need you to be a subscriber anyway. So it yeah. kind of backfires a little bit. And so this got me thinking, and so the link I posted in the notes is... We were talking basically the only reason we had to switch up one level to go from the, their packages are, I think, good, select, better and best because they make it really complicated to figure <laughs> out what is what. And they all all those cable package levels have different channels like one of them. It's like 130 channels, 150 channels, 200 and something channels and then every channel you could ever get. And there's no way to actually just look at something and know what channel is going to be in it. And so it turns out we could be good with just the good, the basic cable, like the absolute basic, except for one channel, which is the next level up. And so that next level up. Conveniently (laughs) enough. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So for for now, that's what we're going to, we're picked with one level up. But the thing that is kind of coming in soon, this this story that I put in the notes is from CBC. Uh, and it's from last March, but it's talking about rules that are going to come into effect this March, where the CRTC has ruled that cable companies have to offer a $25 basic cable package. So that that price for the very basic thing, like oh, basic, wow. the like 10 or 12 channels, whatever the, the very basic cable package is, uh, they have to offer that. And they also have to offer the ability to pay for individual channels, which means that prices may go up on individual channels or, or even on packages but that they have to offer pick and pay. So at some point we will probably be able to go down one level and hopefully it's less than $15 a channel to add that one channel back. Right. But so that, that's the goal for a couple months down the road. So we're not, I'm not too worried about going up $15 for one channel because we're getting such a relatively good deal. Anyways, we're paying less than anywhere else we'll be able to, to do, but uh, yeah, cable and internet packages are in, in absurdly complicated and unnecessarily expensive. And that's, probably why because there's so much bureaucracy like i had to spend 
probably about two, two and a half hours on the phone between Bell and Rogers trying to sort this all out. And, uh, but fairly satisfied now. It's not that much more than like it ends up costing like $50 more than the internet package I would want to get from tech savvy or something like that. And so I'm, I'm satisfied with the process and we get, now we get live sports and, and stuff like award shows where like, I don't particularly care at all, but if it's on and I'm sitting there, I'll probably watch it like, ah, eh, all right. <laughs> Most of my media is YouTube, but hey, yeah. Anyways, that's, that's my cable hijinks I had to go through. You guys don't have cable, so it's probably irrelevant to most people in our generation at these days. Like 90% I don't know, of like millennials. People have actually, I don't know, I've heard a lot of discussion about cable lately. And I mean, I'm not opposed to it. It's just way too much. It's like the price is way too much for how much I would actually use it, I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like. I don't know. Most of the shows I actually watch are streamable via whatever service you want to use. Yeah. So that's in my experience other than sports. Yeah. Sports is basically the only reason I would have cable, but even then you could get like game center live for, yeah. I don't know. For 150 bucks a year yeah. or <laughs> having a subscription to cable. <laughs> well, as far as sports go, like all the only time I ever watch sports is if it's a with other people and generally if it's live, and for that, you can just get your, you know, your antenna and just tap into either CBC or CTV. Yeah. And usually if it's like a local sports team or a major world sporting event, they'll have it. So, yeah. and if you're going to watch it live anyway, you may as well just do that instead of having to, to use your digital cable. So yeah, that like we, we have the antenna set up in case we ever felt that we wanted to watch something like that. But since I bought it, I have watched maybe an hour's worth of TV. Right. And that was like six months ago I bought that. Or you could go to a bar. Or yeah. go well that's the well that's the whole thing. <laughs> Usually if you're gonna go watch like the Stanley Cup, you'll go out with friends to a bar. Like you're not gonna yeah. or go to someone's house, I guess, but I don't know. That's that's yeah. the thing. None of our other friends have cable. And so if there oh. is, like we watched the Golden Globes here last week. <laughs> which is it's fine. Like I I had friends over and we had fun like yeah. laughing at the stupid things that happened and, and it was fine. I mean, I'm glad you had fun, but I can't imagine wanting to watch the Golden Globes. If if it were only up to me, I would have just left the TV off and like hung out with my friends. But they all wanted to, uh, you know, like people want to see the how they're dressed and people want to see if Leonardo DiCaprio is going to win. And all, if Ricky Gervais is going to say anything ridiculous, everyone wants to okay. to know these things as they're happening. I don't, I don't know. But a different lot of people strokes do. for different folks. I mean, I'm sitting here going, yeah, I can't imagine why anyone would want to watch that. But then I'm like, I mean, in the same breath, talk about how I want to watch the latest Leafs game and say, well, who knows what might happen during that game? You yeah. know, there could be a weird call or there could be cool bounce or someone could go on a really cool scoring streak. And, you know, yeah, ultimately, sure. it's all inconsequential. It's just what you find interesting, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, that's uh, we don't have to talk any more about cable stuff. But uh, Nick, you have a story here about uh, – is this the story you had from last time or is this yeah. a different one? Let's yeah, see. it's the same from last time. Okay. Uh, Portland, Oregon, I think. They are in the final stage of testing some turbines that can be mounted in water pipes. I'm not sure if it's 
like wastewater or storm drains or what it is, but apparently, oh, what did they say? The installation is expected to generate $2 million worth of renewable energy capacity over 20 years based on an average of 1,100 megawatt hours of energy per year. Enough for 150 homes. And I mean, in the grand scheme of things, that's not a whole lot of energy. But the idea is you just mount these someplace where water is flowing downhill. And it's essentially free energy that you're getting. Which, God, you may as well grab while you can. The other exciting thing about this is that I guess they can install monitoring equipment and in the same place because the power is right there. And so they can, you know, keep an eye on water quality as it's happening. Yeah. Hmm. When I think we've talked about this type of power generation before. And one of the considerations is your uh, pressure drop across the turbines. Cause obviously within a hydraulic system, you got to maintain pressure to actually get water to the houses that you need. So if they're, for some reason, I guess every system would have excess pressure generated just in case. But I guess if they decide that they'll just maintain that same pressure, but use some of the excess to generate power, which seems kind of backwards a little bit. Yeah. Then yeah, well, I guess they may as well. I mean, part that's partly why I'm actually wondering what kind of water it is. Because if it was storm water or a storm drain, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like where oh where where it's not being pumped like where it's not already being right okay, yeah seriously yeah yeah and yeah. it does mention that in the article yeah well one of the methods of power generation is literally where you pump it uphill when it's cheap and let it drain back downhill when power is expensive mm-hmm. kind of off peak on peak type system mm-hmm. so that you are still ahead of the game by doing that uh, but I don't know if there's a lot of places that are either candidates for that or where it makes sense economically to do that right actually in in belleville for their air conditioning what the stadium would do is actually freeze a bunch of water on the roof at night when the power was cheaper and then that helped their air conditioning systems during the day huh seems heavy (laughs) i hope it's designed for that (laughs) Well, it's like this, or uh, it's an arena, so yeah, yeah, that's cool. But yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes. Right. I mean, these seem like really big. Like the, the pictures don't look that big, but like the pipes are the size of a person. Like oh yeah, they could, said. Didn't they? Or I think it says somewhere it's like forty inch pipe. Yeah. Which is yeah, you know, fairly large. The other thing is they have a great Portlandia reference at the end there. <laughs> oh, yeah. They do, yeah. It's it's funny that they say that the money generated will be split among the project's investors, as well as to recoup construction ongoing upkeep. And so the payback period is actually 20 years for right. the initial investment, capital, and cost. And then after 20, then the rest is profit, I guess. So long-term play for this one, right. it sounds like. As we kind of have to look at for all renewable energy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But just from a municipal standpoint, to because I guess it cost that much to begin with, and it was all private investors, like not oh, tax yeah. dollars, I guess. But yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. So I guess I guess that's all I have to say on the matter. Yeah, it's definitely interesting that they come up with these new ways of doing like capturing energy with turbines is not new, but doing it with water is an interesting way to get extra energy out of it seems we it seems counterintuitive because it seems like any any extra energy this water has is going through pipes is generated by having it pumped up higher. So it seems like conservation of energy means this couldn't actually be financially right. productive. But yeah, it really depends how it's being done. And there are ways that it could be. Yeah. Yeah. And like we were saying, was it last week or the week before, how every place kind of needs to look at alternative energy methods that make sense for them? Like yep. it's not going to be one solution for everyone. And I honestly, like every little bit helps. Like it says, you know, this powers 150 houses, but that's better than none. And you're going to need all the help you can get when it comes to replacing our reliance on, on hydrocarbons and burning, uh, burning them for energy. So, yeah, you know, if you have 150 houses from this, you have 200 houses from wind, you have a thousand houses from solar, like it all, it all adds up. And I, I think any, any news like this is, is good news for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, uh, Mike, you have a story here that is very Canadian. Yes. I, I didn't even hear about this till I heard it on CBC radio that, uh, and then I guess mobile syrup wrote about it as well that yeah. I guess Google has a campus in Waterloo they and do. they just opened it and our glorious prim- prime minister, Justin Trudeau was there and he brought up the fact, or he, he was kind of pioneering, not pioneering, advocating, sorry, for coding in schools and the importance that has for kids and specifically kids in Canada because Canada is not often seen as a uh, tech hub and kind of a factory for for tech minds. But there's a initiative that's uh, done in part with Google and another company called Actua, and it's based in Ottawa, that creates STEM programming for children, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and I guess, yeah, it's, they kind of emphasize that just coding as a skill and the thought processes that it requires is so important for anyone and especially for kids in this day and age. I know my, and just kind of anyone in our generation for that matter, exposure to computers has benefited us quite greatly, uh, especially with the technology we have now compared to what our, our parents' generation and even the generation kind of halfway between our parents and us have had experience with. So I think it's just going to get more and more important for for kids to be familiar with technology and with coding even, because, you know, you can solve so many problems with coding that even just the way of thinking that, that coding requires, it will help you in a lot of different areas, even if it's not strictly or directly coding itself. Right. Um, but yeah, as far as the the Google campus, it's 155,000 square feet, I guess, so fairly large. And and Google's looking to kind of place, you know, a couple a couple thousand to 10,000 that type of order of magnitude employees in Canada. Wow. So, yeah. I did yeah, not so, think it would be that many. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a fairly big campus, so <laughs> I think they have 20 in Canada right now and they're going to expand it to that that much, so it's uh mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's it's really cool that Canada's becoming, like, kind of developing its own Silicon Valley down there. Um, well, and, I mean, it used to be that Ottawa was Silicon Valley North. 
Well, and I guess it's just well, this is Waterloo, so yeah. Of. Well, I mean, Waterloo <laughs> has absolutely taken the helm in the wake yeah. of research in motion. Yeah. Oh Not yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah. And I don't know. It's crazy that like Ottawa used to be called it used to be called Silicon Valley North. Yeah. And just you know whatever happens and suddenly it's in waterloo it's just interesting to think about <laughs> yeah definitely cross-country canada the game that i was so excited about <laughs> a while back they still have like you know computer parts are available in ottawa yeah there's some of that just not not nearly as much yeah so what i'm wondering is when does calgary get its huge google campus actually no they would put it in British Columbia. Those hippies. actually, they probably they probably would. Yeah, it wouldn't be Calgary. The, the, the thing that I'm hopeful for with this is that it it would make them take Canada more seriously and launch things simultaneously in Canada and the states. Because there's a bunch of these things, like uh, specifically Google Fiber, that I see on here that they talk about how they're working on Google Fiber at this new, or they're planning on working on it at this new uh, office. And Google Fiber is still in only select cities and only in the States. And I want Google Fiber. I would sign up for it immediately. I want Google Voice before Google Fiber. Yeah, but I mean, at this point, you basically already have that in Hangouts. It's just with like, okay, this is a this is an aside, but it's Google related. When I put my SIM card in, like my, my Fido SIM card, when I put it in my Android phone. Mm-hmm. It asked me if I wanted to use that number as outbound caller ID with Hangouts. Yeah. And so I did that. I said said yes, and now that number is locked. And then I took that SIM card out of my Android phone, and I put it into my iPhone because Mm -hmm. that's that's my main phone I use. And it still asks – it still says every time, do you want to use this number, my phone number, for outbound caller ID? And then when I hit dial, it says – this call cannot be completed with outbound caller ID for that number because because it's not in the phone anymore. And so basically you already have Google Voice. It's just with your whatever phone number is on your SIM card. Because the whole point that's, is to have that caller ID. Google Voice. Yeah, no, the point is you want calls to come to your phone or device when people call that number without I, I actually needing the number. That's the whole point. That's, that's, the, part, that's the functionality I want. I, I like that there's the outbound number functionality with Hangouts now. Right. But it's not it's not the same functionality where you can just not worry about having a cell phone number. True. Okay, that's fair. So right? it's not it's not exactly the same. So you what you want is if you if right now if you live an all Apple lifestyle, you can get like your my phone, my lap my Apple laptop and my iPad will all ring if my phone rings. Yeah. And you want that no. but for PC and like everything with your I want to be able to sign up for a data only plan right. and still have people be able to call a phone number and get a hold of me. Yeah. Which is it's a totally reasonable goal and it's yeah. like it, that's what because project I, fi is. I'd be do that already. I'd do that already if right. I didn't need a phone number, but everywhere you go, what's your phone number? And I can't be like I don't have one. Yeah, exactly. Right? Even if he's like you can get a hold of me by every other <laughs> method. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you need a phone number. What I really want to see just desperately is Coffee to the Home by <laughs> Google and Google Fiber. And I'm fully aware that that was an April Fool's joke, but yeah. I still just, I want it so bad. Yeah. 
But c- coming back to what you were saying, Rob, I, I hope they start focusing on Canada a bit more yeah. on these types of services because it's, it's silly. Yeah, absolutely. It, it seems, again, it's the whole thing of this is what the carriers want. This is what the yeah. telecom companies want. They want you to be able to pay them more. And so nobody is going to like pay to speed this up except for a company like Google or some some company that has a bunch of money to invest in infrastructure. Yeah. Well, and that's that's I think that's probably the biggest hurdle for Google Voice, I guess it would be yeah. at this point because Fiverr they can build their infrastructure, but Voice like Google I don't think is putting up cell towers anywhere, right? They're right, still they, using Yeah. They're trying other, to blanket Wi-Fi everywhere or whatever the next generation of Wi-Fi right. is. Right. But it would be. yeah, but it wouldn't be cell towers. It'd be something yeah. else because yeah. that's what project fire relies on lte towers from other carriers yeah. it relies on wi-fi hotspots it, like you're switching constantly between networks yeah yeah at a certain point we'll need to have like for longer distances for places where you're like on the highway between two cities you'd need to have cell towers every so often yeah but in cities you could really get away with blanket wi-fi in a lot of cases what if you could get signal from solar freaking roadways <laughs> that would be very useful yeah so i'm interested to hear you guys take on the coding aspect because we we all use or have used coding in some capacity either now or in the past so would you guys agree that coding is very important for anyone especially kids at this age to to be familiar with absolutely like i know several people that studied math or something like that and the only reason they have a job is that they can code right like coding is just super important i think even be able to read code and know what it's doing even if you can't code yourself if you can read code and say oh this is a loop oh this is calling this variable oh this is defining this like just knowing how to work your way around code and understand it i think is a huge skill that's the hardest part of coding i'm I don't, no, I don't know. The hardest like, I, part is actually getting the syntax to do what you want it to. I don't think it is. Sure it I is. Think, I mean, what I, what for me has been the most valuable part of it is trying to view a problem as could be solved by a computer. Right. Like just looking at a problem being like, okay, how could I get this to work iteratively Yeah. so that I can just, you know, have a loop do this and not have to go through the monotony myself. Right. Hey Rob, did you see that that video from James Grimes? I don't know if you have if you have him on. on of course, YouTube. singing banana. Yeah. Yep. Um, his his number problem with a self descriptive number. Yep. Yeah. When I when I heard that, I'm like, this is like built for coding, or this 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 question is made for coding. If right. it wasn't as easy as it was to solve this by hand, it would have been perfect for for a nested loop for yeah. Uh, for a coding problem. And, you know, I, I approach a lot of problems that same way. And that's why I didn't like Excel until I started to learn macros is like, this would be so easy to do if I could just loop this, but yeah. Excel functions don't loop. Yeah. So, but macros do. So that's <laughs> yeah, why I've started, do. that's why I've started using macros in a lot of the spreadsheets I work with. So, so Mike, yeah, it sounds like based on your description, you just gave that you don't follow Matt Parker. I do. I did after the fact. Well, no, actually, I followed Matt Parker first, and then I saw that James Grimes has his own channel. Did you see hit G- Matt Parker's yeah, saw response his video? Yeah, yeah. Because I thought that was even better. Like that had all the stuff in it about all oh, the, like about his solution, the the one the, the solution he did. Yeah, the, well, yeah. Because James yeah. Grimes was also in it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, no, I saw that. Oh, good. Yeah. That was the vital part. Because that, that was when <laughs> they started talking about the whole, like, ways to solve it using yeah. computers. Yeah. For people who have no idea what we're talking about, if you're listening to this show, obviously you like math and science and technology. And I'll put links to, to both Stand Up Maths and Singing Bananas YouTube channels. And, and Number File. Well, if the people don't even follow Numberphile, I cannot help them. <laughs> uh, but yes, coding, I, I agree that coding is super important. Uh, I don't know that learning any, like, any or all coding languages is necessarily important, but having the fundamentals yeah. of, uh, like, loops and... If, if then, yeah. All, like, all, all of those coding fundamentals are really important to at least at least be familiar with. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people, like the vast majority of people who just have, like if they looked at code, they would just, it would be worse than looking at Chinese and <clears throat> presuming that person does not speak Chinese. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's completely, it's completely gibberish and, but it is very important. Like it's, that's how people solve problems. And if, if you're using technology and you have absolutely no idea how it works, like I, obviously some technology is going to go over your head. But if you're absolutely lost at even understanding the basics of how it works, then I think that you're missing out on a lot of what's really most impressive about about technology. Yeah. Yeah. If you understand the fundamentals of conditionals and loops, then you can pretty much fumble your way through any coding language by looking up syntax and yeah. how to do it. Because that's all I've been doing with macros is it's all visual basic uh, using yeah. the Microsoft library. And I just Google, you know, how to do this in Excel VBA. But I know yeah. what I want to do. I just, how do I make it do it? And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then I just get familiar with that. So Mike, you said you disagreed earlier that looking or understanding code that's already written is not the hardest part. No, it's it's getting it to like getting the syntax right. But if someone gives me a block of code and I and I read it like, oh, that's what it's doing, then I can replace, you know, a value for a variable if I wanted to do something different without having to worry about getting the syntax to work. Right, but, but if I'll you still needed, know what the code's doing. If you needed to actually go in and change the functionality, like wait six months, don't look at your program you just wrote or the latest one, whatever it is. Go back and look at it in six months and tell me that you understand that's, it. And I think it will just, take you a long time. That's because I don't organize or comment my code. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. Nobody, like it's really hard to actually do that properly to a point that it would be understandable sure. later. Sure, in a big picture sense. But if I look at one line on its own, I can be, okay, that's that's an if-then statement. Sure. And that's why yeah. it's doing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do that after a weekend. I'm like, what was yeah. I doing on Friday? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so there's a couple pieces of news here. I don't know how far we're going to get in this. Uh, I wanted to talk briefly about Flux. We've talked about Flux before. Um, Flux is an app that changes the color temperature of device screens. And it is it's very popular among people who have heard of it and used it. And they basically they've tried to get on Apple's mobile platform for years. Like basically since it was released, they said they were petitioning to get on it because it's very useful, but it, it has system-wide features and Apple's apps don't like system-wide features. They like, they like apps to be very sandboxed and not be able to control kind of every aspect of, of the user experience. And basically what that means is that Flux is coming up with trying to come up with 
any way around that restriction. And when Apple decided to let any person that has uh, a coding platform on their on their Mac install any application, they did that back in September, maybe possibly back in June. They let you basically, if you if you make an app or if you inst- run an app on your computer, you can put it on your phone. And so what Flux decided to do at that point back in the fall was release a, a, a fully made project that all someone would have to do is take their Apple laptop, install Xcode, run the program through Xcode, build it, and put it on their phone, and, and they could have this system-wide thing that, that broke Apple's rules. They ended up after about four days or something taking it down. And then almost like two months later, almost to the day, Apple released their new beta uh, version of iOS, which is iOS 9.3. And it has literally the identical feature, literally built into the system everywhere. And I I love the feature. Like I installed it right away and I really, really like having it at night. But it that really sucks for Flux because it it's an insanely popular application and if they were allowed to sell it or put it on there, it would be popular. Uh, so I, I don't know. You, you guys, I assume both use Flux in some capacity, right? I've tried to get it to work on this computer and I cannot seem to. I mean, it works on the Windows side, but not the <laughs> Right, Ubuntu but on side. Linux, yeah. I think I've used, I tried a similar one way back when you first mentioned this app because... It was a while ago that we talked about it, I think. And I remember yeah. downloading it and it I, it was set to do something automatically and it wasn't. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And it went all red and I'm like, I don't like red. I don't know what that's, setting that was, but. That's the color temperature. Yeah. I just, redder at night. I wasn't a fan of it. But as as far as, I, I want to talk about what you were saying about the system wide settings because. Yeah. I can I can see that I'm not surprised that that's Apple's stance because. Mm-hmm. Apple likes, like that's their bonus operandi is like you, they want the experience to be the same for everyone. So you don't want to pick up another phone and have it look completely different and have the experience completely different. And right. all of a sudden it's changing color temperatures. Like what? Like, why is your phone doing that? It's like, oh, I got this app. And it's like, what? It's crazy. But that that's not Apple's thing. So I can see why they're doing that. So I don't know why Flux is shocked that they did this. I don't think they're shocked. I just think they they're disappointed because that now what apple has done is make the thing that they had said they were like oh this is so shocking and different they've just built it in so now everyone is going to have this shocking and different experience that's that's what flux is trying to get did did flux patent the concept of it or the implementation of it or is there anything that they had i don't think there's anything patentable in it right so i i think that speaks for itself that is they can't really be too upset about it because not upset but like Come on, guys. Just because Flux. So the whole the whole thing, the reason this came up, I mean, it it happened. A app released this beta, but then Flux published a blog post saying basically saying, "Welcome Apple." It's kind of like the whole Blue Origin with right. Jeff Bezos thing. It's like welcome to the to the party, and then <clears throat> saying that what they're trying to do is push this technology forward. So they're getting ready for their next big set of features. And taking this even further. So they still want to be in the app store. They want to have a way to have people still be able to use more advanced features than just just kind of shifting the color temperature with a slider or having it set to a certain schedule. Like they want to do more with it. 
And so I, th- I think that they should be able to. I agree that it's not necessarily – it may not be in Apple's best interest to allow it, but I at least think it's worth the conversation. It's, it's also worth pointing out I, when I got an Android phone, I tried doing this with Android. And apparently it's a long story, but Flux has not been able to get the functionality working using Android APIs. So well, that, that's what I'm saying. I think I downloaded it. It wasn't app. working. It wasn't doing it what I – It's not Flux. Oh. I, I, I think I saw the thing that you are like, – because there is an app that will change the color temperature of your phone on Android, but it's not Flux. Oh, okay. And it doesn't work. It's weird. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. It was weird. I was. But yeah. you should get – do you have Flux on your desktop? No. I don't, should, use, I don't use my computer at night, so. <laughs> you don't, I mean, you just put it on. You don't, you don't use it at all after sunset. What? After does sunset. It any, you, does it doing anything during the day when you're using Flux? No, it just it, – it's, it uses, I mean, you can set, you can change the color temperature of your screen during the day, but during the day, the blue light isn't a problem because the sun has a lot of blue light, Right. but it's at night when red light is a lot less harsh on your eyes and on your brain that, that this actually matters. So after sunset is when this is most important. Right. And that's what I'm saying. I don't only use my phone right. or my computer after sunset. I now have lamps in my office, so I don't really, Interesting. I don't, staring at my computer in the dark. I mean, I have lamps in my office too, and I also use flux and it's very nice I'd, I'd like it on my phone because i do look at my phone in bed right at night just trying to go to sleep but yeah apparently that's counterproductive it's a light it is yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> nick did you have anything to add honestly i was just looking online to see if i could figure out how to get flux to work on my computer <laughs> <laughs> makes sense because well like what we do a lot of the time is we'll throw something on the tv from streaming and yeah i mean the blue light your body is programmed to interpret blue light as being oh it's daytime i need to be awake right now yeah so i mean if i could just hook my computer up to the tv while streaming with flux going it would probably be better but the the flux wouldn't i guess would that oh i guess that would work yeah there are certain yeah. monitors I think it doesn't work with, like certain types of monitors, but yeah, it would work across a TV. Yeah. Actually, Nick, that's a good point because that is the other thing we use is we use a TV at night. And if, yeah, yeah if the color temperature. So w- with this, Mike, you mentioned that you thought it was weird that everything was red. Uh, so your brain adapts to the color change. It's, it's very abrupt at first, but your okay. brain adapts to it and kind of white balances it out. Okay. But on a TV... Unless you're, if you're watching something like as an auteur, as you're watching it as as though it's a film, a piece of art that you want to right. see perfectly, Flux has a movie mode where it says like it's something like for two and a half hours, turn it off. Like it's literally set as okay. for when you're watching a movie if you want accurate color. But if you give yourself over to the fact that it's actually nicer after sunset to have redder colors, then if you just kind of let your brain adjust. And what Flux does is over a period of something like. I think it it's over an hour around sunset. It like slowly dims through into being right. reddish. So you really wouldn't even notice it if you started if you start working before sunset and keep working through sunset, you wouldn't really even notice other than maybe like you're like, "Oh, it, I think it kicked in now and it's very faintly redder." Right. But if you turn it off at after having done that, you're like, right. "Oh, I need to see that how this color looks accurately." You turn it off, it's going to be jarring. Right. And so it it's the kind of thing that you get used to very easily. Hmm. Yeah, I should try that about hooking the computer up to the TV. Because, yeah, we, that's all we use is streaming. So that would actually work to, 
to put the flux on the computer and then see yeah. if that makes a difference. Well, I remember yeah. the first time that I saw it, I think, was we were over at Rob's and Matt's and I think we were watching a hockey game and all of a sudden, you know, the tint changed and people were like, whoa, what, what? And then Rob <laughs> got super excited and looked, yeah, but you won't notice in like five minutes, watch. <laughs> And, you know, lo and behold, ask around in five minutes. Oh, yeah, I don't notice it anymore. It's really good. I like Flux. I like it a lot. Yeah. There's also, I haven't confirmed this, but in theory, having no or less blue light in the screen means that it's going to use less power, but that's probably very minimal. I just feel like at night you'd want to have lower brightness anyways, and so the color temperature probably doesn't affect power that much, but it might be a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Just the biggest thing for us is a lot of the time Rhea will get tired first. So she'll start trying to fall asleep while I'm still yeah. watching TV. And she's like, she'll joke and say, oh, turn the brightness down. Even though there yeah. isn't really, that's not really a realistic thing. But yeah, it's that would kind of help out with the mm-hmm. jarring colors. So yeah, hmm. it's uh so this is something that I don't actually have, but it, it reminds me of it. Uh, there's a product or there are probably, it's probably, there probably isn't the only thing, but there's a thing that you can buy that's designed for sleep that as you're going to sleep, it bathes the room that you're in, in, in red light that slowly fades to nothing. To oh, yeah. And then as you're waking up, it slowly turns up blue light to wake you up. And apparently it's really super like jarring to have that. You guys have uh, that light, right? I don't have that light. No, I, really oh, I thought you it, did. Though. Oh, you want it. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. It's called the withings aura. Uh, and, <laughs> it's interesting because I, I i thought about it and then i was like oh yeah they i also have the ability to to do affiliate stuff so it could be uh if people want to want to go and look at it they and want to buy it i could theoretically get commission from that or this show could get commission from that so if you are interested uh it's called the Wythings aura and i'll put a link in the notes that if you want to go and look at it it's really expensive but apparently it's really cool. And so once I get to a point where I have a career and kind of financially stable, I'll probably consider looking into that. It also comes with like sleep pads that track your sleep patterns that go like above the mattress, but under the sheet. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. And, uh, but yeah, it uses red and blue light at, at different times of the day as you're getting ready for sleep or as you're waking up to make it less, less difficult to wake up because if like, if you could control, it's basically like if you could control the sunrise and so you wouldn't need to have like in our room, we have blackout curtains to, to basically have our own manual sunrise, but it means that there actually is no sunrise ever. It's just when you decide to get up, right. the phone screen basically becomes your sunrise. And so this would allow you to ba- to set if, whether you want to get up before or after sunrise, it would allow you to manually create your own sunrise with a bright blue light. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. I I actually like the feeling of having a sunrise, like waking up to a sunrise, just that gradual increase in brightness. Yeah. But just leaving your, your blackout blind open a crack, it's just kind of shining straight into your eyes sometimes. Exactly. It's, it's not the best experience. <laughs> <laughs> but or or sometimes in the summer it's just way too early. So you wanna you wanna have the ability to kind of yeah, like you said, set your own sunrise. Yeah, for sure. And you said that that rises with the alarm like you set an alarm for you it. set an alarm yeah yeah and so it, it's the same way as those you know those sleep alarms that they have yeah. that uh will wake you up within a half hour range based on your motion we yeah. we, we had that conversation when yeah. we like years ago uh 
it's the same way with this where you set an alarm and over the course of 20 minutes or something, it'll gradually make the color brighter yeah. and brighter. It's it's probably more closely related to the like audible alarms that just gradually increase in volume. Yeah, over exactly. like a minute or two minutes or whatever. Like I have mine set for that because I don't like the yeah. jarring like blare of an alarm. So yeah, all as you start hearing it when it starts vibrating and the volume's kind of slowly rising. Right. I'm Sweet. wondering if that would actually work for me because I ended up getting into the habit of wearing something over my eyes especially when I was working around the clock shift work and just needed to sleep whenever. Yeah. And so now I'm kind of used to it and I don't like sleeping without something over my face now. So I don't know if an artificial sunrise would work. Right. I'm sure I could train myself again, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's cool. Like I would love to try it out for a month or something, but uh, the whole, their whole sleep system is very, it, it's expensive and you'd need to justify the cost to yourself by trying it out and making sure it actually works for you. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's our show for this week. If you guys have anything to talk about in the after show, we'll we'll get to that. But uh, for now, I'll thank our listeners for for being here. We'll be back here next week with more science and tech talk. And you can find past episodes of the show and plenty more at unwindmedia.com/slash/futurechat. See you next time. Ciao. Toodaloo. You guys have any after show material? Mike, you you have a story here. I guess it's I guess it's listed as priority 3. The Which broadband battle. Oh, actually yeah, you asked about that and you said I put it as 1A and then I forgot that <laughs> the system doesn't take into account numbers. Yeah. Or no, I I just thought it was interesting and it's not really news per se, but it's it's more just an interesting article and uh I hadn't heard this kind of side of the story where it comes to the uh issue of broadband internet and how you'll have uh services like tech savvy who bulk purchase data and bandwidth from uh the bigger cable companies and then redistribute it yeah there's uh i guess an ongoing kind of battle or issue with the crtc and bell and how bell is against this this ruling that crtc said you guys have to allow for these companies to be bulk purchasing bandwidth and data and right. redistributing it. But Bell's like, well, we built this infrastructure. We've already invested this amount. Why should we have to like, you know, allow other people to use it? But then, so I guess Ottawa and Toronto, the mayors have taken sides and they're standing with Bell saying, oh yeah, what Bell's saying makes sense, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But then Nenshi here in Calgary is released a uh, a 28 page response to Bell's uh appeal of CRT's ruling and saying that because municipalities only have a certain amount of physical space to fit infrastructure, it's not fair for these bigger companies who have already used up most or all of that space and not allow smaller companies even a chance in, even if they wanted to, even if they had enough capital and, and, you know, ability to build it, there'd be nowhere to put it. So you have to have some allowance for other companies to enter the market. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's been a fairly touchy issue uh, from a corporate aspect because all these different companies have different interests in uh, whether this type of infrastructure is allowed and or this type of system is set up where you can use other companies' infrastructure. But I think from a consumer standpoint, it obviously makes sense for for more competition. And you know, you guys have both used tech savvy in the past, uh, if not already using them now. So you guys can see the value in in having that additional competition. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean. 
if you honestly, if Bell, Rogers, whatever, really don't like the bulk purchasing, maybe they could try being less terrible and people <laughs> wouldn't go to these other services. Yeah. Yep. Like yeah, no, easy exactly. fix, guys. Stop being so terrible. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. there's even a story about the carriers doing the wireless carriers doing a similar kind of thing where they're because there's so few of them they're all just raising their prices all at the same time in like this in the, week yeah no that's what i mean like it's yeah. very recent that this had that this happened where like i think it was two carriers at the same time almost literally the same time raised their prices by five bucks yeah and it's like how is this legal for and them two to days just, later the third one did yeah yeah so is collusion illegal? It's 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 illegal if it's obvious collusion. Yeah, which <laughs> they seem to be turning a blind eye to this obvious collusion. Well, I mean, they they are competitors. It's just they've learned that if they act like a cartel, they can make so much more money. Exactly, they can each make more money. Yeah, that's like the second or third time this episode I've thought about the South Park episode, where they're like. We want more money. Give us some of that internet money. <laughs> no? no? I don't okay. like South Park. Ah, uh, right. But uh, the the other aspect of this it, that tends to get forgotten, cable companies will always say, oh, you know, we invested in this infrastructure. We we like got here first and we built our business and these smaller companies are just trying to come in and piggyback off our business. But forgetting that or conveniently leaving out the fact that they got massive subsidies from the government to actually build out infrastructure. And so the government kind of is at least partly responsible for them being able to do that. And so yeah. why wouldn't a smaller competitor also get some advantage compared to these massive yeah. uh, telecommunications companies? Yeah. Well, and I can appreciate why you need government subsidies to, of course. Like, to, to yeah. instigate investment. Like that makes sense. That's just mm -hmm. part of, the capitalist market like you got to yeah. have people invest in it but you have to realize that the gravy train has to end sometime like you can't just go on with it forever just having that advantage and and it, you can't complain when other people also get an advantage as they're small it's like it's like when my yeah exactly yeah, yeah that's a good point too yeah when my when i was growing up my bedtime would get moved later and my sisters yeah. would not but then when she got to my age her bedtime would get jump like bumped and I couldn't complain and be like, why is her bedtime getting later? I'm already going to bed at that time. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. 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 So it, it is an interesting thing. And, and there have been a couple of articles about it. Like this, this one that you posted isn't the only thing people have been talking about. Like there's even net neutrality concerns being raised and people talking about the future of the internet because of kind of mayors siding on different sides, either with the telecommunication companies or against them. So it's, yeah, it's all very interesting.